Welcome to our new season of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they then overcame them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Patricia Lord, who is currently the Global Head of Employee Relations, Operations and HR Delivery at Domestic in General. Thanks for joining me today, Patricia. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you now have today? Well, uh, yes, we can. And uh, thank you for having me, Grace. Um, I fell into my role um, many decades ago. I wanted to be a criminal barrister and that didn't work out, um, mainly because I was unable to finance myself. Um, So like many other working class people um, who had parents with limited means, I had to pivot. And so I pivoted to working in-house for uh, lots of organisations and I was their in-house legal advisor. Then I moved into a legal director role and then a legal and compliance director role. And around 2010, um, I started to do some employee relations. And so that, for those who are listening, is more around employment law and you know protecting the organization or protecting uh the the individual the employee um and after about 10 years of doing that i have ended up working for some very large organizations um including uh arab i did a gig at the nhs um and i was legal and er uh, director for the Construction Industry Training Board, which was a massive gig. And now I'm um, working for Domestic in General. So, yeah, it's it's been a interesting journey when you, no two days are the same, but a very enjoyable one. <laughs> so when you were at school, did you have any idea what you wanted to do or be? Or did that happen perhaps more later in life? Ah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, a bit of a funny one for me. When I was really, really young, um, and I'm talking about seven or eight, I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And my Ooh. parents looked at me with absolute disgust and dissatisfaction. Um, and, you know, very different times then, you know, uh, my my Jamaican father was like, women don't do that role. And actually they did. And I could have done it. But um, <laughs> I was easily persuaded at the age of eight. And then I wanted to become a writer or or to do something in law and so now I feel really blessed that I'm doing both so I'm I'm combining both what I want to be and 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 my passion so that's quite nice yeah I think it's always great to work at something that you love otherwise you're just gonna go into work and hate it and that's not what you want to do if you have you know a career for many years that's that's very true and I know lots of people that are doing roles that they don't want to do (laughs) and they're just generally quite unhappy and miserable so you're quite right do something you love (laughs) so did you go to university and how important do you think actually is to go to university especially with internships and graduate schemes that lots of different companies now offer young people that's a really good question so from a generational perspective so yes I did go to university and I went to Swansea had the best time um because I am a huge rugby fan so being anywhere in Wales was was the uh, uh the intention and I got what I wanted so that was great but um things have changed a lot since I went to uni in the 90s so yes 
back then, I'm sure it is now, but university was a huge amount of fun. And when I went, I, I was the last, I think, of my generation who had received full grants. So it, it was huge for me for a number of reasons. One, I at that point was the only person in my family who made it to university. So that it was a really, really big deal. Two, I made my friends for life. I met my gal pals for life. And uh, three, education, without a shadow of a doubt, has been the one dominating factor that has changed my perspective on life, but also my trajectory in life. So without education, I would not have been able to do the roles that I've done. Um, And what that has done for me through education is provide me and my family with financial freedom. And through that, I've had opportunities to, you know, uh, uh, work around the world um, and extensively travel. So I'm I'm very grateful um, for university. So if you so the question is, do I think it's important? Absolutely. Mm. The second part of my response would be, however, there are lots of different routes right now to becoming successful within the workplace. And so you talked about, the, you know, becoming interns. I know interns who are now CEOs of organisations, you know. Okay. Uh, there, there is a huge market for apprenticeships. And some of the most incredible organisations that I've worked for. So Arab is a world leading built environment um, organisation. They have a fantastic apprenticeship scheme. And so, again, whilst I was there, I was seeing people come in, you know, at age 18 uh, or sometimes even younger. And their careers had progressed to directorship level. So I do think that there are huge opportunities to learn on the job and and you know and, and apprenticeships are are much wider than they were when I was coming up. I think education in whichever format is important. There is value in improving oneself in order to um uh, do what we want to do. But there's also value in getting that on the job training. And some of my biggest criticisms, because over the years I've employed and, you know, had teams of hundreds of people, um, you know, sometimes you get somebody that comes from a university that doesn't have any life skills, any emotional intelligence. And and quite frankly, sometimes they're just just not great for the job because they don't have any common sense. Whereas, you know, you then look at somebody at the same age that's come up through the company via apprenticeship. Um, because they've had different challenges in life or, you know, they decided to take a different route. But absolutely incredible. And I've got their finger on the pulse. So my advice would be, if it's for you, definitely do it. Don't be afraid of the art of the unknown and don't feel that you shouldn't do it and have imposter syndrome. But if there are other opportunities with other great organisations that can get you there in a different way, consider them because we are now in a financial crisis. And not everybody can afford to go to university right now. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a different route, then be creative. But we must always remember that we are masters of our own destinies. So if if that's your route, um, then do it. You'll find a way. Definitely. 
So earlier I mentioned you are the global head of employee relations, operations and HR delivery. And I do not know if anyone else listening will be thinking this, but that sounds like a very complicated job and also one that takes up quite a bit of time. So do you have any hobbies that kind of help you to like de-stress, relax, chillax outside of work that you'd like to maybe share? I do, but I'm not getting to them. So I don't think I'm the best advocate at the moment. But um, <laughs> I, I mentioned to you that I write um, and my job does involve a lot of travel. Um, and so, you know, when I'm when I'm traveling, I tend to bring a notebook. And this is the place where normally in airports and on planes where I'm able to lay down some of my most creative thinking. And I like to ensure that I write at least three to four times a week, even if it's I'm just tinkering or 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 writing, you know, um, something for my novel or writing something for poetry. I like to try and write at least three to four times a week. Um, So and that is what keeps me grounded um, because it enables me to think outside of the box. Sometimes it's just a case of writing things down to be provocative about something that I'm thinking about and and enabling me to to find solutions that I wouldn't normally think about. So, yeah, that's my chillax um, uh, remedy. And I do like the gym, um, which I don't go to very often, but I always make it to the sauna. So that that <laughs> that's my most chillax remedy at the moment, uh, the sauna. Sounds fun. <laughs> so the world is changing so much and also very quickly. But what do you think work for women may look like in 10 years time? Or perhaps what you hope it may look like? So this is a really good question, but it's a tough one. Mm. I think I'm going to be a little bit conflicted, so I'm going to apologise to your listeners now. There are more opportunities for women and we are dominating, I think, more of those non-traditional roles in STEM and other male dominated roles previously. But I do believe that there is still in many organisations a hierarchy of roles. And I if I wanted to see a change, I would like to see that change. Um, Do I think that things will change in 10 years? Yes. But I have been. disappointed i think with the pace of progress for women in work and in the role that i do um i see a lot of the schisms from time to time i either read about them or you know we deal with them and so is there still misogynistic and uh discriminatory behavior against women yes there is um Are there still prejudgments about women once they go off and have families? Yes, there are. And are there prejudgments about women who choose not to have a family um, and are successful? You know, um, yes, there are. So I think that what I would like to see is a better level of tolerance for women. And the reason why I'm not conflicted is I don't think we should be tolerated. Yeah. So 
But I understand that there is so much more work that we need to do. Everybody talks about the glass ceiling. I think unless you're in a very lucky position to work in a particular organisation, most women still find it hard to break that, you know. So I I think there is a lot of work to do. And my hope is that we can achieve those positions without having to change our dynamic. And that is not having to be more masculine to prove to um those CEOs or those leaders within the business that we can do the role because we're taking on a different persona. I think my ask is that women can be women and, and be just as feminine and just as strong in those major uh, roles um, and and have the career path and the support to get them there. Definitely. So on the talk of kind of gender equality, let's just talk quickly about racial equality. But so as part of our Research Generation Summits, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. Do you think as a society we are seeing some more equality in maybe especially HR? (laughs) I think there is lots of equality in HR um, because of what it what it says on the tin or there should be um, because, you know, it's human resources. And for me and my team will. They listen to this. It's humane resources for me. You know, I think we have to put the humane in human. I do believe that since George Floyd, companies are thinking more about their diverse um, employees. But when I think about equality, um, you know, I think about it all, you know, so define equality so on the face of it yes things have gotten better there are people like me in these positions um there are uh more women in really good roles and they are of color and we're starting to see more of them so that's great i think there could be more equality for the men as well you know um uh getting into these ceo positions but that said when i think about equality I think black and minority communities are still vastly underrepresented in higher education, even though they, you know, we we are being told that the figures are very high and we're outperforming disadvantaged white boys. So, you know, I think there's some work to do there. I do think that we are overrepresented in prisons and mental health institutions. We are underserved within healthcare, And we've recently seen that some of our first generation pioneers who were invited to rebuild the country as citizens of this country, have been villainised and persecuted for not being British citizens and sent back to their country of origin. And for some people, they've, you know, they, they came here as very young children. So, you know, generally in workplaces, yes, it's there, there is equality there. Depending on where you work will depend on how much equality you see across the piece. Yeah. So I do think there's I do think there is a lot more we can do to rebalance the scales. Yes, of course. So throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly, you know, look up to and admire to? I've had many, many. Um, no, that's not that's that's not so true. I've had a couple of mentors, not many, many mentors in the workplace, but I've had more mentors 
outside of work. Um, so, you know, um, my mentor started from when I was young, you know, my mother, my aunts, um, but my biggest and most impactful mentor, and she doesn't know it yet, um, is Oprah Winfrey. So when I was young, to see somebody um, like Oprah on television every day talking about different topics was a game changer for me. Um, it was through Oprah that I understood the art of being resilient. It was through Oprah that I started to buy different books and started to uh, re-educate myself on things that I would never have thought about. So, um, so Oprah has been a huge mentor, more of a more of a teacher slash mentor. And and another mentor of mine would be uh, the writer Maya Angelou. I I absolutely adored her writing. I adored the woman. Uh, I adored her intellect and I adored um, her commercial acumen as well. So, yes. um, Yeah, but I do. I have had a couple of mentors in work, but none have been as impactful as the mentors outside of work. I think mentors are just great. Um, As you said, they don't have to be in work. They don't have to be in school. They can be anywhere. But I think having that person that you can seek support from or seek experience or knowledge from, is kind of a great helping hand no matter where you are. You could be a CEO of a company and still need a mentor. You could be just starting out in a company and need a mentor. So I think they're great um, for, you know, anyone, and they should be great for everyone. I agree. I I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. And and it's important for, for especially the, the young ladies that are listening to go out and seek those mentors, you know, and they don't need to be physical mentors. They could be writers. They could, you know, listen to some podcasts. They could be people that could just provide you with a different narrative that have gone through something similar. So, you know, be creative in as to where you're looking for your mentors is what I would say. So, Anna, you mentioned that you have kind of a fair different options that you considered throughout your childhood of what you wanted to be. You said you wanted to be a bodybuilder at some point. You said you wanted to be a writer, working in law. And now you're, of course, in HR. I just was wondering, was there any experiences that either helped you or taught you something that now perhaps helps you today? Mm, Any experiences that have taught me something? Um, Yeah, I think that I've had multiple experiences. Um, in my 20s, my 30s and my 40s that have given me something, even when they've been the most negative or when they've been um, fairly positive. I think you can always take something away from an experience. I think my most powerful experience um, came when I recognised that I had more in the tank and what I meant by that was it's really easy when we're in roles to be categorized as one thing or another and I do remember that when I was at the construction industry training board I I had my first son and then I went back and then I had my second son and was really thinking about my career and wondering whether I could pivot 
whether I can move into something else? And if so, what would that look like? And I had a really good chat with, the, at the time, the interim HR director who gave me the option of employee relations. He said, look, you're really good at this stuff. And, you know, why don't you think about just doing this or, or forging a career in, in, in just this area? Um, because I think, you know, A, you can expand on it and it could take you in, in a completely different direction. And I, the, the most impactful thing for me was that sometimes when we pivot, when we change direction or, or just could be changing a few degrees of our direction, we've got to be open to it. And at that point in my life, I was open to it. And uh, as I was having these same conversations, you know, at least 12 years previous. So my advice to anyone who's going into work or thinking about life is to to always be open to the art of the possible, the art of what's next. And to, and think about being fluid and, and, and never be afraid to learn new skills along the way. Yeah. Well, if you could spend an hour just chatting to three people over, say, like a coffee or a tea, maybe a biscuit or a pastry, it's quite up to you right now. Um, who Who would they be and why? See, that's that's good. That's very good. Um, <laughs> my first person would be Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. So I read The Long Road to Freedom many, 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 many years ago, um, shortly after he was released from Roben Island's prison. And the one thing that I took away from his story was a his resilience but his commitment to equality mm-hmm. and so i would i would love to spend some time talking to nelson mandela the second person who i would love to have a coffee with would be maya angelou um, i think i mentioned a huge um shiro of mine Based on her wisdom, she talks about love, life, um, progression, women. And I think she would just be a really interesting intellect to just have a coffee with. I think I most probably like to have a glass of wine with her or maybe a couple of glasses of wine with her because I think (laughs) it should be huge amounts of fun. And the third is very personal. It would be my mum. My mum passed away in... 2005 and she was a really funny character and I think I would love to sit down and just have a chat and just talk about all the things that I've been doing to gain some of her wisdom um, and her insight so yeah those would be my top three I think Grace. (laughs) I think they're a very good top three. Thank you. So just before we wrap up be grateful for domestic and general support of our summit in Manchester, which is coming very, very soon. But what was it about Reach Next Generation that really caught your eye? It's really easy. I believed in the message and what you were doing. Yeah. Um, I spoke with your dad and Patrick and their passion 
made me very excited. But the compelling thing for me was that this was your brainchild. And so the question that I asked myself is, how could we not support you? (laughs) It's a brilliant concept. It's very close to my heart. You know, I started off with very humble means. We all get to the stage in life where we think about giving back. Why would we not support the next generation of young, brilliant, fantastic, highly intelligent girls? Why would we not do that? So I'm here mainly because of you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Patricia. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own future and in in their own careers too. So keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us on our very much upcoming summit is at reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our sponsors and partners, Barclays, Domestic in General, AJ Bell, All Saints, Kellogg's, the Vita Group and City in the Community.